0: Commit our time this morning to the Lord in prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we once more thank you that Lord we're able to be here this morning. That we can come and spend time gathered around your word. And Lord, as we continue to consider some of the the parables this morning, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts through your word. That Lord, you would uh, challenge us. You bless us. You refresh us this morning, Lord. I pray that you would empower me through the Spirit. That Lord, you would give me the wisdom and guidance to speak this morning. That it would be your words, your thoughts, and that Lord, you would receive all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> this morning we come to consider yet another uh, kingdom parable of our Lord here in Matthew chapter thirteen of course so far we've considered <clears throat> the two parable similitudes found in verse 31 to 33 let's just read them it says in verse 31 another parable put he forth unto them saying the kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all seeds but when it is grown it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof another parable spake unto them the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meat till the whole was leaven and so we've looked at these two uh, parable similitudes the, the first one where christ likens the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed and we talk about how it pitches the exponential growth of the kingdom throughout this world and then we looked at the the fact that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven this was last time we saw that it speaks about the permeating power of the gospel message and now this morning as we come to verses 44 down to verse 46 uh, we see another pair of parable similitudes verse 44 says again the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field the which when a man hath found he hideth and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchantman, seeking goodly pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. And so we have these, uh, this pair of parable similitudes, and they're very similar in a lot of ways, aren't they? They're very similar. In both parables, you have an object of great value, and in both parables, you have A buyer who gives up much to obtain that object of value, that treasure. But while they are similar, um, I believe they they teach two different truths uh, from studying this week. They teach two different truths. And I believe the key to understanding them and their difference is to consider what Christ likens the kingdom to in each parable. You see, in the first one, Christ declares the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure. And then in the second parable, Christ declares the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man. And so in the first parable, the kingdom is the treasure sought and valued. While in the second, the kingdom is the merchant man seeking the treasure. And so it's a difference that's easily missed. It's a small difference, but it's a difference that changes the meaning of the parable. And so I believe it holds the key to understanding the truth that's taught by each of them. And so let's consider this morning just the first of them here in verse 44. We read again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for, the joy, for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. You know, Christ here gives us the image of a man digging in a field. And it's the idea that he's laboring in the field. And he unexpectedly comes upon this great treasure. And the man recognizing the value of what he has found and not wanting to lose it to someone else, he covers it back up. Until he has the capacity to purchase that field and claim the treasure as his own. And so, this is the, the parable story, the short story that Christ gives us here this morning. And it's a story that, when we examine it, it teaches us a number of things about the kingdom of heaven. The first is it teaches us the value of the kingdom. The value of the kingdom. Read verse 44 again. It says, Again. The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Now it's clear the very first thing the parable teaches to us is that the kingdom of heaven is of great value. Christ begins with the words there. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure, like unto treasure. Now, The Greek word translated treasure here means a deposit, wealth, or something precious. It speaks of anything that is deemed to be of great value under someone. And we've seen uh, Christ use this word before in the parable concerning laying up treasure in heaven. Just go back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter six and verse nineteen it says, "Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." So here we see Christ use this same word, this word treasure. And Christ here uses it to speak about what we value most in life. You see, a treasure is something that we place value upon. We deem to be precious. And the point is that not everyone values the same things. And the same is true here. The kingdom of heaven is a great treasure, but it's a treasure to those who understand and see its value. You see, for instance, the unsaved do not see the kingdom of heaven as a treasure, do they? They don't see the kingdom of heaven as a treasure. They do not value the things of heaven. Instead, they place great value upon the things of this, this world, the temporal pleasures of life. You know, to them, houses, land, fun, the physical pleasures, the sinful pleasures of life are far more valuable than the things of heaven, than the spiritual. You see, man treasures... The earthly. But though man doesn't value it, Christ declares that the kingdom of heaven is the most valuable treasure of them all. Indeed, it's a treasure to be sought before everything else. In Matthew chapter 6, Christ declares that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse <clears throat> 33, a verse I'm sure we know well. Christ says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall we added unto you. Christ says to seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Christ makes it clear that the kingdom is of immense value, so much so that it should be before everything else. It's the thing we should seek after. The kingdom is valuable, of course, because of the spiritual blessings, isn't it? That's why it's valuable, because of the spiritual blessings that it bestows upon those who are part of the kingdom. But the right says he says, Being part of the divine kingdom will result in eternal blessings. It is the greatest of all kingdoms, and it blesses its subjects more than any kingdom does. Hence it should be the number one priority in the lives of mankind. You see, the eternal blessings of the kingdom to those who are its subjects makes it a treasure of immense. Value, far more valuable than anything else. But it's valuable to those who find it. And So that leads us secondly to consider this morning the hidden nature of the kingdom. We talked about the value of the kingdom. And now we see the hidden nature of the kingdom. Verse 44 again, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. So the second thing that Christ declares about the kingdom is that it's a treasure that's hidden. It's like treasure hid in a field. You see, this is the reason that unsaved man sees no value in the kingdom of heaven. Because to them, it is a hidden treasure. In other words, spiritual truths are hidden from the unsaved, from the unspiritual man. Now, the Apostle Paul, he speaks about this in First Corinthians chapter two. Let's turn over there. First <clears throat> Corinthians chapter two. Let's start in verse six. First <clears throat> Corinthians two and verse six it says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. Which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would have, sorry, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor e heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For he have known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. You know, Paul here speaks extensively about the natural man. Or if you like, the one who lives as if there's nothing beyond the physical realm. There's nothing after this life, they live for the physical the natural man, Paul says, doesn't understand the wisdom of God. They don't understand heavenly things. It's hidden wisdom. It's hidden from them. And it must be revealed by the Spirit. Let's just read from verse 7 again. It says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And then verse 10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. The Spirit teaches us all things, yea, the deep things of God. And so the natural man here, Paul says, the natural man cannot understand the wisdom of God cannot understand the wisdom of God. And because they cannot understand it, because they only have earthly wisdom, the natural man sees no value in the things of heaven. No value in the eternal. Now, verse 14 tells us there that the natural man considers spiritual things to be nothing but foolishness. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned you see the natural man cannot understand the spiritual things of God without the spirit of God they can't understand spiritual truth it's hidden from them they see no value in it they see no treasure to them it's foolishness or worthless you know this is especially true of the gospel message isn't it First Corinthians chapter 1 <clears throat> verse 18 says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which is saved, it is the power of God. It's sad, but for the natural man, for those who reject Christ, the preaching of the gospel is foolish. They mock, they laugh at the truth, they see it to be worthless. And you know, the devil works hard to keep men in that state, doesn't he? He works hard to keep men blind to the truth, keep the wisdom of God hidden from them. Second Corinthians 4, we know the verse. Second Corinthians 4, verse 4. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that belie- which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil wants to keep men in this state. state. He wants to keep men in this state of darkness, unable to see the value of the kingdom of heaven, to see the value of the gospel message. And so the kingdom of heaven is indeed like a hidden treasure in a field. It's a hidden treasure. It's hidden from the natural man. We need special illumination from the spirit in order to understand and perceive the value of the kingdom of heaven. And that brings us thirdly this morning to consider the finding of the kingdom. The finding of the kingdom. We've talked about the value of the kingdom. We've talked about the hidden nature of the kingdom. And now thirdly, we see the finding of the kingdom. Look at verse 44 again of Matthew 13. It says again, The kingdom of heaven is like under treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Next in the parable story here, we see that a man finds the treasure. And then he proceeds to hide it until he has the capacity to purchase the field. We read there the words, Christ says, the which talking about the treasure, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth. Now, in this statement, there are two important details revealed unto us about someone who finds the kingdom of heaven. The first is seen in the word found. The word found here reveals to us the providential hand of God in discovering the kingdom. You see, the word used here means to find something either with previous search or without it. So it can mean either. You can talk about finding something because you've been searching for it or it can mean you found it without looking for it. You stumbled upon it. And it depends on the context. And when we consider the context here, the parable story, we see that the finding of the treasure here is not because the man is out looking for it. Okay? He's not out in the field digging for buried treasure. He's in the field laboring. And he stumbles upon the treasure. He stumbles upon it. It's a providential discovery. And this speaks to us of the providence of God or the grace of God, if you like. The grace of God in revealing spiritual truth unto us. We spoke about the fact that the natural man doesn't value the kingdom, doesn't see it as a treasure. It's hidden from them. It's foolishness. And you know, this was the state that we were all in before salvation. It's the state we're all in. But God in His grace has opened our eyes to see the truth. God in His grace has brought us to see who He is and to understand our need of the Savior. It's a work of the Spirit within our hearts, without which we would never find or understand the truth. We would never find the kingdom, the treasure. In John chapter 16, Christ speaks about the fact that the Holy Spirit was sent for this very purpose. John chapter 16, <clears throat> John 16, let's read from verse 7, <clears throat> it says, but, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow not, I'm oh, sorry, was in the wrong verse but because i said have said these things unto you sorrow hath filled your heart nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away for if i go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him unto you and when he is come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because i go to my father and you see me no more of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. Now, Christ here speaks about the Holy Spirit coming. And the Holy Spirit coming to convince the world of our need. Convict man of our need. In verse 8, we see the Holy Spirit has come to reprove the world of sin. Okay, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgments. The Holy Spirit is come to, to convict the world of their sin. And the sin spoken about here is unbelief, isn't it? Verse 9 makes that clear. Of sin because they believe not on me. Mankind is in a state of unbelief. And it's only the gospel message. It's only as it is preached and the spirit works in the hearts of men that men are brought to see their need of salvation and come to Christ in faith. You see, it's it's by grace through faith that we are saved. He see, as believers today, we can look back and we can see that, can't we? We can look back at our own lives and we can see that we were lost in the darkness of sin. We were blind to our sinful condition, blind to the value of the kingdom of heaven, to the treasure that we were missing out on. But the Spirit opened our eyes to the preaching of the gospel, opened our eyes to the truth, convicted us of our lost states, and brought us to see the kingdom for the treasure that it is. It's by God's grace that we found the treasure, the kingdom of heaven. And in the parable, we then see that the man, upon finding this great treasure, what does he do? He immediately hides it again. Verse 44 there. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. When the man has found it, he hideth it. He hides it again. See, the man, when he sees this great treasure, when he finds it, the man immediately knows the great value of what he has found. So much so that he immediately acts to protect his find. That's the idea here. He acts to protect the find. He covers up the treasure so that no one else could claim it before him, could take it from him. Now we could sit here this morning and discuss the the man's actions and discuss how they were dishonest. You know, he wasn't in his own field. He was laboring in someone else's field. He should have informed the owner of the field that he found this great treasure. He should have been honest. But it's important for us not to get distracted here, okay? Because the parable is not teaching us a lesson on ethics. The parable is teaching us about the kingdom and how to value the kingdom. Butler writes this, Ethically, the conduct of the man in hiding the treasure was not commendable. But the parable is not dealing with ethics, but rather with the value placed on the treasure. The hiding by the man is simply to show that the man realized what he had found was of great value and did not want to lose it. Thus he did what he could to keep from losing this treasure of great value. You see, the hiding of the treasure speaks of how those who find the treasure, find the kingdom of heaven, immediately understand just how valuable it really is and will desire to protect that treasure. Protect that treasure, protect the gospel message and indeed all the blessings, the spiritual blessings that are now theirs in Christ. And that brings us now fourthly to consider the sacrifice for the kingdom. The sacrifice for the kingdom. Verse 44 again, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Finally this morning we see, The great sacrifice that the man in the parable now makes for this treasure. We read there that the man for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. You know, we notice first of all here that Christ tells us that the man makes this sacrifice, why? For the joy thereof. That's why he makes the sacrifice. It's for the joy thereof. This man is filled with great joy at what he has found. What he has discovered in the earth is great treasure. He's filled with joy and it leads him to make this great sacrifice for the treasure. And beloved, this speaks to us of the joy that comes to those who find the kingdom of heaven. There is real and lasting joy to be found in knowing Christ. It's a joy that the world, the natural man, Cannot understand. You know, the unsaved view the kingdom of God as being dull, being unexciting. You know, you hear people say Christians can't have any fun. But they don't understand the joy, the real joy that comes from the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The joy that's found in knowing Christ as our Savior, the joy that's found in knowing that God is our Father and having a relationship with Him. But the right says the kingdom of God is where true joy and lasting joy will be found. The world has nothing comparable to offer. All they have to offer is the field. They have no treasure in the field. The world is empty of true joy for they leave out God and Christ. You see only the kingdom of God can bring real lasting joy. Now the Apostle Paul he wrote about this joy in Romans chapter 14. Let's turn over there. Romans 14. <clears throat> Romans 14, verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is joy. In the Holy Ghost, there is joy in knowing Him. It's the joy of the Holy Ghost. It's the joy that He produces within our hearts because we're now part of that spiritual kingdom. The world spends all of its time seeking the pleasures of this world and they never find real lasting joy. Hebrews 11, verse 25, tells us the pleasures of sin are but for a season, they don't last, they're shallow, they're hollow. And in fact, sin only brings pain and despair. But there is real lasting joy in the kingdom of heaven. This great treasure that's ours through Christ. And in the parable, we see that for the joy of the treasure, the man now sacrifices all to purchase that field where the treasure is located. Verse 44 again, let's read one more time. And the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found he hideth and for for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. This man is so overcome with joy at what he has found. Filled with rejoicing at this great treasure that he goes and he sells everything that he possesses. So that he might have this one treasure and enjoy it fully. You see, the man knew that this sacrifice was worth it, didn't he? He knew the sacrifice was worth it. And beloved, this final part of the parable speaks to us of the sacrifice that we ought to be willing to make for the kingdom of God. For this great treasure that God in his grace has allowed us to find, that has brought great joy and rejoicing to our hearts, how much are we willing to give up for that Kingdom of heaven, that treasure. That's what this speaks to us about the sacrifice that we should be willing to make for this treasure that brings real and lasting joy. Now, let's not get confused here. The final part of the parable is not teaching us that we can purchase salvation. We know that. Salvation is not something for sale. You know, no amount of effort, no amount of sacrifice on our part will obtain the kingdom of heaven. Salvation is by grace through faith, as we said earlier. And so the final part of the parable teaches us how to value the kingdom. How to value the things of the Lord. You see, we should value the kingdom above everything else, so much so that like the man in the parable, we're willing to sacrifice all for the kingdom of God. Sacrifice all for the heavenly. You know, we can look through the word of God and we can see many examples of men and women who valued the kingdom and sacrificed all for the kingdom, sacrificed all for the gospel message. You know, for instance, Stephen, stoned to death for the sake of the kingdom. Let's read Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 and verse 54 says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on Him with their teeth, but He, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon Him with one accord, cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried out with a loud, loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. We know the story well. Stephen gave his life for the kingdom of heaven. Why? because he valued the heavenly he he knew it was of far greater value than anything here on earth even greater than the value of his life he knew how to value the kingdom he sought first the kingdom of god and it was this that led him to give up his life give up all for christ the apostle paul he had the same attitude go to philippians 3 with me Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, Philippians 3 verse 8 says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, I do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death. if By any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. the apostle Paul, he understood too the value of the kingdom of heaven. He counted all things in this world but loss as worthless, as dung. And instead, he said that his affection upon things above. And Paul was willing to suffer all, he says, for Christ, for the kingdom of God. Again, he understood how to value the eternal. He understood it was, it was of far more value than anything here on earth. And beloved, that really is the challenge from the parable this morning. How much do we value the kingdom of heaven today? This wonderful, glorious treasure that by God's grace we have found has brought great joy to our hearts. How much are we willing to give up for Christ, for the kingdom of heaven? You see, Christ taught us to seek first the kingdom of God. And beloved, that means putting him first, doesn't it? That means being willing to give up all for Christ. In Luke chapter 9, Christ speaks about being willing to lose even our life for his sake. Let's just read that, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. It says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. For whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For it is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. You now Christ here speaks about being willing to lose our life for his sake. This is the cost of discipleship. To take up our cross daily and deny ourselves and follow him. Cost of discipleship, beloved, if we value the kingdom, then we will be willing to lose all for Christ. You see, the world doesn't understand this sacrifice, do they? The world doesn't understand this sacrifice. To them, we're throwing our life away. And they look at Christians who give up all to go to the mission field or give up all to serve God and they go, you're throwing your life away because they don't understand the value of the kingdom of heaven but beloved christ assures us that this sacrifice for him will not go unrewarded let's turn to mark chapter 10 our final passage this morning mark chapter 10 <clears throat> in mark 10 and verse 28 <clears throat> says then peter began to say unto him lo we have left all and have followed thee and jesus answered and said verily i say unto you there is no man that hath left his house left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. You know, Christ makes it clear that no matter what we give up for Him, we can't give up more than He'll give back to us. We cannot outgive God, can we? It will be worth it all. You see, God sees any sacrifice that we make for Him, and He will reward His people in heaven one day. He will not fail us. Love of the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. And it's a treasure worth sacrificing for. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful treasure that we have through Christ, eternal life, relationship with you, this joy that only comes through knowing you. Lord, may you help us to value the kingdom like we ought. Lord, help us to put you first, to seek first the kingdom of God each and every day, to be willing to sacrifice for you. Lord, work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.